Amen. God is good. I just brought these up. I, what, I, I, like I said, I enjoy reading these. This is called the Passion Translation. And what I love about these books is they're just individual. Like that's the book of John, Proverbs. And it's awesome. You just bring one little book with you and you can read it. And uh, it's like reading a book. And it, it, uh, it takes the daunting assignment of carrying a, the, the whole Bible there. And you're thinking, that's a lot to read, and I don't know if I can do it. And sometimes we get challenged by how, how big the Bible is. But this, this guy breaks it down into each little book, and it just it's awesome. And actually, I, I had one out the other day, and I had to get some tires fixed on a car. And I was at the, the tire shop, and I, I was going to be there for probably about 45 minutes. So I just brought the little book. It was uh, Matthew. And I was just sitting in the waiting room reading and the guy next to me says, Matthew, our loving king, is that like a Bible book? I said, yeah, it's the Bible. I said, I love this translate, this, the way this guy does it. He just goes, oh, that's what an awesome idea. He says, I once took a course about the heavenly father. He says, it, I had such a negative experience with my earthly father. And then I took a, a, a course on the loving father. And, and we had, I didn't even get the chance to read my book. I felt a little ripped off, but on the other hand, we had this amazing conversation, and so, so yeah, I just, I just like it. I just thought I'd bring them up just so you guys could take a look at it, but, but don't touch, not touch. Oh, now you're putting the pressure on me. I want to read, I, you know, I, I love reading. When I was in school, not so much. And now I wish I would have experienced the joy of reading much earlier. Where's Kieran? He needs to hear that. <laughs> but anyways, I, I'm reading, and I'm reading a book right now, and it's, sometimes a phrase jumps out at you, and I just, just kind of, I, just, I, I was once told I have ADHD. Somebody in the congregation, and I was preaching, and at the end of my sermon, somebody went up to my wife and says, does he have ADHD? So, but I don't believe I do. I'm very focused. And I read this. <laughs> I read this. Most people believe God is real. But few people actually live like it. And I was like, oh, my. The result is a widening gap between their theology and their reality. They allow their circumstances to get between them and God instead of letting God get between them and their circumstances. Now, I've heard criticism about us how we believe in healing, and we pray for people all the time, and we expect God's blessing to come on people, and we expect to receive something from God. Isn't that what God's Word says? Isn't that what God's Word says? I'm getting better. Does God... 
The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you would have it. And we get so much pressure from outside that we end up somewhat flipping that equation around. We do. I've heard people say, that person got cancer, and it was, it was from God because out of his testimony at his funeral, some people got saved. And we begin to rationalize things, and we flip scripture verses around. As, as a result, we, we believe in God, and we believe that's his word, but, but that we allow a gap between what we say we believe and what we really live like. And so we had prayer this morning. Why? Because we believe that God is the healer. I believe that God delivers and saves. And that is my theology, and that's what I'm going to live. I may not see every prayer I pray answered, and I don't understand it, but that's not going to change my belief in who God is, and as a result, I'm not going to let it affect the way I live my life because I don't want there to be a gap between my theology, what I believe, in whom I believe, and the way I live my life. And I've had tragedy in my own life that I don't understand. But it's not going to change what I believe. Amen? So if you think there's a gap between your theology and what you read and believe and your reality, I encourage you to press in a little harder. Dig in a little more. Seek a little more aggressive. I like that word, aggressive. Are you aggressive listeners? Thanks, baby. That's, that's my, my wife. Thank you, honey. But you already kind of know what I'm going to preach, so. Well, kind of. Uh, God is amazing. God is amazing. I want to I share something that you know, I, I was, I've been thinking about it as Pastor David has introduced the concept of process. Process, process. I was reminded about this passage of Scripture that um, it was quite a while ago. That I was reading this Scripture, and this quite often happens to me. It's the very first letter I mean, the very first verse, uh, verse of James. And James says, uh, I'm, hello, I'm James. Uh, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. And I'm written to, to all you uh, Jewish people that have been scattered abroad. Great introduction verse. And then he goes, count it all joy. And so when Pastor David was preaching, count it all joy, it brought back to my memory this mind-blowing experience I had one day as I was reading verse 1. 
And it's amazing how a word can just jump out. And the word that jumped out at me was scattered. Scattered. Well, what does the word scattered mean? So, are we connected at all to the internet or can we? No, we can't do that. There's a thing called Blue Letter Bible on the internet. And right on Blue Letter Bible, you can read a verse. And then there's a little button that says Strong's Concordance. And you can click on it, and the Strong's number comes up. And within, like, 30 seconds, you have the Greek staring at you in the face. And the Greek word for scattered is diaspora. Now, isn't that mind-blowing? Everybody, no, it's not. But I, I, want, I want to ex- expose that word a little bit because here we have a whole book of the Bible written to people who are suffering from diaspora. <laughs> and yeah, it sounds horrible. I don't want to get it, but... But... What's interesting is I started looking at this sermon I built. And I looked at the date. I said, when did this file get created? And you know what? I created it three years ago. And then I started thinking about all the stuff that I've gone through in three years. And I'd studied this sermon, and I preached it to myself, and then I experienced it. Now, diaspora is made up of two words, D-I-A for dia, and the word spora, which means seed. God's word is a seed. Now, I want to just talk for a minute about the tactic of our adversary, Satan, is to go after the seed that God puts into your heart. God will speak over you a prophetic word. You get picked out of the audience by a a preacher or evangelist, and he speaks a word over you, and this word gets deposited, this seed, and then your life falls apart. (laughs) And it's like, that was supposed to be an inspiring word, and I really felt really good about that word when it was spoken over to me. What happened? And I was, I was going through Matthew 13, the, the, the parable of the seed, the, so, the, the, the sower who sowed the seed. And it was really interesting that, that it says in there, um, I think it was the, um, the, the seed that fell, I think it was on the rocky soil, or maybe it was on the, on the uh, thorny soil. But it said, the seed suffered persecution because of the word that was spoken over. Now, I, sorry, I'm going to kind of just kind of go on rabbit trail as, as I explain this, but how many of you remember Adam and Eve? I don't remember them. I've read about them. But, but uh, <laughs> oh, I caught you, Daryl. You put your hand up, but I'm glad you're listening. 
Nobody else did. <laughs> but, but when they sinned, Jesus, uh, not Jesus, God came to walk in the garden. And, and, and the, the serpent was there, represents Satan. And, and God said to the serpent, the seed is going to crush you. So what has Satan been trying to do ever since? Destroy the seed. The seed that has been planted in you. The passion to seek first the kingdom of God. That dream that God has implanted that maybe you just thought was just a natural dream, but God puts gifts and abilities and talents in us and he, he puts this dream that matches those gifts and those talents. And what does Satan want to do? He just wants to destroy it. Now, some people think, oh, Cain and Abel, that was just two brothers fighting. You know what that was? Satan doesn't understand timing doesn't understand timing. So Satan came and filled Cain's heart and destroyed the seed. Then Satan used Cain to kill Abel, the seed. And we start seeing immediately, as soon as that word of God came, because there was a word that was spoken over Adam and Eve, about the seed and what it would do to him. And we now see Satan immediately going after the seed to destroy it so that it would not produce. And, and we think all the time, okay, well, that was Satan, the, the crucifixion of Christ, that was Satan. But Satan it began immediately to go after the seed to kill it so it would not produce fruit, so it would not grow and mature. And it has not stopped. Satan hears the words that are spoken over you. Satan will hear the words that you are talking with a friend saying, you know, I have a passion to do this, and I have a passion to do that. And what does Satan come to do? He comes to destroy it. Throughout the years of Jesus' ministry, there was words spoken over Peter. And what does Jesus say to Peter on the night of the, of the Passover meal? They have their meal. And then Jesus says to Peter, you know, Satan desires to have you so that he will can sift you like wheat. The word sift means to agitate, to irritate, to, to challenge the faith to be overthrown. That's what the word sifting there means. So Jesus is saying, Peter, there's been lots put into you. Jesus even said, Peter, you're, you're one of the stones that my church is going to be built upon. There were amazing things that Peter saw that he wanted to accomplish. That, and Jesus said, Satan desires to have you. To have you means that Satan wants to manage you. To control you. 
so that what is burning in your heart, he can agitate and irritate and separate you from the dream and the passion that God birthed into you. He wants to separate that from you. It's one of the most amazing things. Jesus did not then take Peter aside and give him 12 steps to freedom. Three steps to overcome discouragement that's going to hit you. You know what Jesus said? I'm just going to pray for you that your faith won't fail. Just left Peter like that. That was it. And then Jesus gets arrested and they all scatter. Peter denies him three times. Wow. Wasn't Jesus wasn't even there to see him through this challenging time of sifting. But the adversary wants to separate you to destroy the seed that has been placed in. Do you realize that you are Peter? It's actually Peter that says it. You are born of an incorruptible seed. You are born of the Spirit. It's mind-blowing that you have birthed in you the seed of God. In you, there's a seed. Now, I got to look around. I don't want to be too graphic here, but... You know, a woman cannot get pregnant, except Mary. But even there, there was a seed. Because the word spora means seed, but it also means sperm. Sorry. But you know what, what the seed does? It activates. The word of God will come and it'll birth something into you to activate. Bring something to life. But the thief comes to steal, to discourage, to irritate, to sift, to challenge that word, to challenge that seed, because he does not want it to become to come to be fulfilled. So he'll come to steal, to kill, to destroy. Come against your hope. In the mornings, I love to walk, and I finish my walk, and I'm invigorated, and I'm, because I've just spent some time with God, and I'm, and what happens? I don't let it happen, but my day starts to fall apart. All the discouraging things come, come against what God was doing, and saying, and birthing, and, and giving me courage. And then you get plastered with all the Ah, diaspora. 
I, I want to, sorry, this might get a little technical, but I, I need to read this. There's a word, I, I want to explain what dia means, because I just kind of explained a little bit what seed means, but dia. I, and I, I want to transfer it to a different word because we understand this a little bit, or actually we don't, but it, diamagnetic. I don't understand magnetic fields too much, but magnetic forces, they flow. They flow. But there's a phenomenon called diamagnetic. And this is what happens. Um, it's called relative permeability less than unity. <laughs> but, okay, in English that I can understand, it means it, it reduces the capabilities of flow. Now just think about that. The magnetic forces that, boom, magnetic forces. But when it's something gets a dose of diamagnetic, the, the capacity of the magnetic flow lessens and disappears. Now think of the life of God that flows through you. The love, the joy, the fruits of the Spirit flowing through you. And then diaspora, scatteredness. Sifting comes along. To do what? To slow down the life flow of God in you. To discourage you. To make you want to just give up. What is the point? What am I doing this for? Have anybody ever felt that way? Or am I just preaching to myself? Because, you know, I got this about three years ago. And then most of you know what's happened in the last three years in my life. And I would return to this every few months to read my notes, thinking, have you ever said, I don't know if I can hold myself together any longer? I don't know if you've ever said that. But that's diaspora. That's the adversary that comes and just wants to shatter. This is what the word scattered means, put together. Diaspora means put together. It means to disperse. It means to thin out. It means to displace. It means to be strewn, blown apart. Our adversary wants to come and blow apart the word that God has spoken over you. The word that God has placed in you. The dreams that he has birthed in you. The adversary wants to come and blow it apart and make you feel scattered. Here's some of this antonyms. Antonym means the opposite. The opposite of being scattered means to be focused on your dream and passion. Means to concentrate on. See, Satan wants to come 
and take your focus off the call. He wants to make it so that you cannot concentrate on what God has called you to do. He wants to come and and so that your attentiveness to the voice of God, because the opposite of scattered is being attentive. Instead of being attentive to the voice, to the call, you get sidetracked. You just get blown out of the water. And now all my focus is on surviving instead of thriving, instead of following and pursuing and seeking first. All of a sudden, we have a whole bunch of other firsts that come and knock out the true number one out of. Diamagnetic. It's called negative susceptibility. It means the ability to be held together. I don't know if you've ever, here, uh, I wrote, as I just, you know, I, I, I start getting these thoughts and I write them down. I said, I don't know if I can hold myself together through another horrible day like this one. I don't know how I can hold myself through all these troubles I'm going through. I don't know if you've ever felt, I can't hold this together. But that's the tactic of the and my time is running out. So I don't have 12 steps. I have one phrase that the Lord spoke over me. On Saturday morning, I went for my walk. And I was thinking about... And this is... <laughs> hope I can say it. <laughs> this is what God said to me. And it's a scripture verse, and I love old songs because the church songs that we used to sing were based on actual scripture verses. <laughs> but this is a song. Uh, you know, uh, two, uh, last week when I went, led worship, it was, uh, you know, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall... That was a scripture. But this one. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. And that's the word I want to speak over you today. If you feel scattered, feels like your life is falling apart, you know what? It doesn't have to be a a life-threatening thing. You know, oh, wow, the, um, I forget even where I heard it. You know, the economy's slowing down, so you might lose your job, and your life falls apart. on a rumor, on fear. You know, in 15 years, one out of two of you is going to have cancer. No. No. And we live our life in fear. Not because something has happened, but I think it might happen, or it's possible that it might happen 15 years from now. I've had people, a flat tire can wreck their day. There's other, there's, you know what, there's some tragedies I can't explain. 
But there's other things that happen to us on a daily basis that get us so agitated, we're going to throw in the towel. Satan comes against the dreams, and all of a sudden, this, passion, this dream will never happen. But this morning, God says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Let God arise. I want to say that to yourself. Let, think of whatever situation, th something that you're going to be, that's facing you right now, a fear that's coming up or stuff that's happened to you, something that maybe recently has happened to you. Let God arise. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let him be shattered. Let him be sifted like we. Let the enemy, Lord, I just pray right now as we, as we bring this message to a close, Lord, I just pray that you will bring courage and faith and some aggressiveness into our spirits, oh God, so that when the enemy wants to come in, and shatter and discourage and scatter us, we will stand and say, no, let God arise and let Satan, you are scattered. Your strongholds are crumbling. Your tactics are null and void. Your discouragement has no effect. I will not submit to fear, but I will overcome fear by love, power, and a sound mind. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, we will remember the word that you spoke. Because your word is truth. Your word stands forever. And your word is accomplished. It does not return to you void. But it accomplishes that for which it was sent forth. If you had a word that has been spoken over you, a dream that you have dreamed or that you feel that God has planted in, and it seems like there's been every opposition coming against it, I want you to stand right now. Just stand. If there's, just, there's no way this is going to happen or I cannot see this actually happening. Just, there's just too, too, much, too much going on. Our eyes of faith do not look on the natural. Our eyes of faith. Our faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not. Our faith is built on the realm of the spirit. And Satan wants to bring things against us into our natural life, into our natural circumstances, into our work environment, into our family environment that makes it look like this could never happen. We heard last week, two poor people. Elijah had nothing, was being fed by God. And an, a woman that had nothing and was just baking the last and was going to die. But what did God do? Out of no, two people with nothing, no hope, no future, God spoke. 
And the realm of the unseen overcame the, overcame the realm of the seen. And the realm of the kingdom, the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy. The realm of the kingdom lives within you. Not seen, but demonstrated is more powerful. That unseen realm is more powerful. And what we have to do is we have to get back to what has God said? What did God speak over me? And that word is more powerful. And it's sharper. And it is forever established. And so, Lord, this morning we stand in your presence. And as we look over the passions and the dreams and the prophetic words that you have placed in us, spoken over us, and even we've seen it operate through us, but now it seems impossible. But Lord, with you, all things are possible. And things may look shattered and scattered and full of despair. But Lord, you are calling our hope now to arise. You take dreams that just seem like they're going nowhere, dreams that feel like they're dead. Do you resurrect them? You bring them back to life. You take them from that dormant phase and you activate them once again. And Lord, this morning, by your spirit, implant again, implant again the hope. Implant again the hope, the vision, a new confidence, a new confidence, a new confidence, a new confidence. A new aggressiveness on our part. Impart it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I just want to take two more minutes. Because I got to give you my sermon. <laughs> no. I, I, <laughs> I just want to say one other thing. Sorry. First three verses of James. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse and various challenges and tests to your faith. Knowing that the, the challenges and the trying of your faith works through a process. I forgot to talk about process, but that's where it all came. The best example of process, let, let patience, let endurance, let steadfastness have its perfect work that you may be, you may be perfect, which is mature and entire, lacking nothing. Allow Allow these challenges not to knock you down, but make you stronger. I've never seen a bodybuilder besides, no, not a bodybuilder. I've never seen a person who hasn't done any bodybuilding become strong and mighty, except Captain America, who went into a machine for about a minute and came out big, buff, and strong. But that's not true. The only way I've seen a bodybuilder get bigger and stronger is by 
exercising the muscles, going through the process of muscle body building. So don't let challenges and trials to your faith knock you out of the race, but let them make you stronger, more steadfast, and more aggressive in your pursuit of God. Amen? Amen. Well, how many of you are ready for a summer of maturity? Growing up. We're doing some growing up. Amen? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Should I just... Oh, okay. I, I actually, I got so carried away with my sermon, I was going to give these away. Awesome. Just, yeah, individually. Brendan, you put your hand up first. Monique, you put it up. Uh, Selena, oh, okay, okay. All right. I got I one. Up here and get them. Okay. Sean, uh, Melissa, I don't know how many I got left. But you got to read it. You have to read it. Kathy, Kathy's standing up. Kathy's standing up. You got to read it, though. You got to read it. And it's just like a cool book. And if you finish the cool book and you talk to somebody else that has one, trade them or something. Oh, no? No, no? Okay, don't trade them. All right. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.